Welcome to episode 690 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 690 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Zoss. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Apart from losing the netball, I'm all good. Yeah. <laughs> Ozzy spanked us in the netball. Into triathlon news. Well, How are you, Bevan? Well, well, well we're gonna, we do have to do a quick rugby world update, and we'll do that in, in the news. <laughs> just, a, just a quick one. It's going to be very short. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, John, I am very good. Very good. Actually, no, I'm, I'm very depressed. Are you? It was a bad weekend for New Zealand sport. It was bad. Did we lose the league as well? We lost the league. I didn't even hear about that. I watched the netball. Yeah, did you? Uh, we got this coach who's phenomenal. She's she, we were the like bad, bad brown, terrible last year. Hmm. Got this coach and came in. She turned us around, but she made a fatal error. We got this one player in, in our netball team, and she just lacks confidence. She's one of our shooters, and she'll miss it under the hoop every time. It's <laughs> <Bailey laughs> not like, a good sign oh, if you're a shooter. And she started with her, and so in the first quarter we're like. 11 points down when, And we kind of came back But it was just too late You should be a netball coach Well you just think This coach a strategist Yeah well this coach is a legend And it was It was kind of an Obviously bad move yeah. So anyway Let's not look It's hard work being A Kiwi sports supporter This week guys I took his proudly Brought to you by Extreme Endurance Oh Active Buffer And our patrons His name is Hugh Jombo Anthony Long train running weeks Nice we've got Mark uh, Double O nine Richards Jones And Ross Going deep, Jackson. Always going deep. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got some hot topic of the week. We've got an age group of the week, pro of the week, and we've got an interview. We have. We're talking to Stuart McGuinness. Uh, he's the CEO of the X-Try World Tour because we've so many weeks we're talking about these different X-Try races around the world, and uh, there's a bit of a bit of a conglomerate that's uh, kind of joining them all together. Okay, so let's talk about news, John's. Oh, wing a week questions and answers then. So we do have to the Rugby World Cup update. It's the last one you're getting because we're out of it. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're going for third. We're in the third place playoffs. Stupidly in the Rugby World Cup, they have a third and fourth place and it's the most pointless game of sport ever. But uh, don't they do, I think they're doing Football World Cup as well. But it's a bit different in football when you're it's not quite as aggressive like in rugby. You know, it's all about aggression. Oh, and yeah. I can't imagine having to play that so, game. So the story of, of us versus England was England were phenomenal. Crushed us. Cr- like, I don't think... No I've, contest. I've, I don't think I've seen the All Blacks play as bad. Like, we've had some bad games where you lose, but but we just look like Muppets. Yeah, we, we did. And we looked like we didn't play well at all. Like, in the All Blacks, normally what happens is they have a bad period and they come back and they win. And there was like, the English were just a better team by a country mile. Oh, it hurt, John. Yeah, it did hurt, but I'm over it pretty quickly, to be honest, because we got played outplayed so badly. Whereas with the cricket... Yeah, the cricket hurts like, more. Oh, that sucked. We, we kind of... Well, we drew. We drew, and we should have probably won, and it wasn't quite fair. This time, you're just like, we got our pants pulled down. Now, last week on the show, I said, if, if we lose, none of the POM listeners email me. Craig Bull had emailed in one minute. <laughs> like, seriously, I checked my emails kind of as I walked down my lounge. Craig Bull, looking forward to the rugby update this week. Yeah. We got quite a few emails from the POMs. Yeah. Good on the palms. Who do you want to win this weekend? South Africa. Yeah, buddy Oates. Yeah. And, and I'm saying, I don't think they will. If the palms play like they did last week. If they do. There's no way they, they can beat, um, South Africa can beat them. But mm. also, sweet sweet stake at work. Mm. If the palms win, I get, I'm sorry, if you, um, South Africans win, I get 100 bucks. 
Oh, nice. So come on the box. Anyway, this is a Rugby World Cup update. See, the last of it, we're not talking about next week. Unless we get third. <laughs> there we go. Uh, John Bo, we had a couple of races happen last weekend. We had Ironman Malaysia happen, and uh, no real surprise here, but pretty good results still. The return of Gomez. Mm. He's going to cane it and cane it next year. So we know he's here now. So he has made his, his slot. Now, he did have to work for it. Um, you'd think yeah. oh, Gomez is going to smank it, but Philip uh, Kootenay, who we're going to talk about later in the show, he had, I was sort of watching it unfold, and I think it was either it was either nine or 12 minutes he had off the bike. Um, looking at this, it was And how was he looking 12. at the run? Because Gomez ended up taking him by about six minutes. But oh, he, he, he progressively, he just... T- taking big chunks of time pretty oh, okay, quickly. Okay. Uh, so it was never really a race? Not really, but anything can happen over there. You know, you can detonate pretty badly and pretty quickly in Well, only uh, two, in two people went under three hours. Yeah, uh, insanely tough on the run. So Gomez splits, he swam 47, rode a 4.32, and then uh, ran a 2.54. And for him, you know, 2.54 is a doddle in the park um, anywhere else in the world. But over there, I'm sure he still would have had to work for that. So an 8.18.58. Um, Philip Kootenay faded on the run with a 3.09 to finish six minutes behind. And then Tiago Vinhal from Brazil was another seven minutes back in third. Bugger all prize money there. I think it was 25000 or something. So you got five grand for a win. Two seven fifty for second and seven hundred and fifty dollars for Pierre Van Vlerken in uh, fifth place. Well, that's old um, Yvonne's husband. It is. He changed his last name. He did. What was his name? Pierre B- Bitter. Pierre Bitner. Bitner, wasn't it? Bitter or Bitner? Bitner. Something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, interesting one. Well, uh, interesting. And Andy Potts, you know, top ten kind of regular top ten guy in Kona, only pulls mm. a five, fifth. Gets mm. a thousand bucks, and again his swim, um, you know, he's two two minutes off the yeah, pace of uh, of Gomez. Interesting. Uh, he rode a four thirty seven, ran a three twenty nine, and that's what I was meaning. You know, you can quite easily explode and lose fifteen to twenty minutes uh, in that sort of heat. So, yeah, Gomez, you know, it's winner take all at that race uh, at most races now. So Philip Kootenay, he's had a, a seventh and or was it eighth in Kona, a second eighth, here, yeah. still got to go somewhere else to to try and qualify. So. so just on this, Gomez now got the rest of the year to focus on. Well, he's going to the Olympics. So I don't think he'll be a factor in Kona. I mean, he he could do, uh, you know, he could do like a bit of a Langer performance where you run a, a two forty in Kona. He's definitely do capable of doing that. Yeah, I suppose the Olympics is Olympics is late July. Yeah, late July, time, yeah. Yeah, so he's got time to prepare for it. Don't think he'd need a bit of luck to be, to win the race. Um, but I don't see any reason why he couldn't run himself onto the podium if he was in a, you know, somewhat similar to position to what he'd been previously. You know, you run a two forty. This year was a little bit of an exception. That's usually going to run you uh, right up into contention. So, yeah, I wouldn't put money on for winning, but uh, it'll make the race interesting. Jordan Blanco was, popped me a note the other day as well um, because I, after we'd discussed Gomez doing this race and she said a few of the other ITU fellas are, are talking up uh, possibly doing Kona next year, doing a, a late qualifying race. Uh, and They'd so have to she, do it now, wouldn't they, if they're going to the Olympics? Well, no, you've got um, the Norwegians, apparently Blumenfeld and Gust- Gustav Eden were, were mentioning it. And... Gustav Eden, because he's a 70.3 world champion, as Jordan pointed out to me, oh. he only needs to validate somewhere. And if you, if these Norwegians went and did one of the late season races, you know, did the Olympics in July, and then went and tried to nab a slot in August at somewhere like um, Copenhagen or uh, Sweden or something like that, and then and then roll on to Kona, and I think they, they seem to think they'll just go over there and smash it. So that could add another element, and that might be something that motivates Fredino to actually stick with it. I have a, Oh, you think, you think he's out? Well, he's, he's 38, I think. 
Um, and you know, although if you, one of the links we've got through, so Ali Hollington sent through a link to the social media feeds from all the pros post Kona, mm-hmm. uh, and his one was. Now I'll pull it up here right now. Let me pull it down. Um, so what's motivating him to come back again? You know, it's, I guess it's that the big difference between three and four. Not many people have done four. Is that enough to motivate you for? Well, for his a year? post was pretty simple. Lots of people kind of gave big explanations. His post was. There's a photo of him crossing the finish line. Still here, never left. Mm. Which is a statement. Mm. You know, do you think he walks out now? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Go out on top. You have your best. Yeah, yeah. Fant- amazing yeah, race. It's, it's, it is it's, kind of in a way. It is a time to go, isn't it? And he said he felt good all day. And it's like, yeah. But he's a pro athlete. It's true, but they've both got enough money for the rest of their lives, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, well, they, they had enough money before this. I know mm. this one was a bit more coming back and proving yourself. Okay, let's make your prediction. Do you, will he be there or not? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say yes as well. Okay. And, and but you I, wouldn't be surprised if you hear every time. Yeah. Okay. And I think that what would probably motivate him is that quest for, for greatness. To get four, you know, there's a lot, not lots, there's quite a few. I've got two or three, but maybe that one extra one would take him to a whole nother How many level. athletes, just reflecting back on this, how many athletes in this sport retired at the right time? Most most Mark, stay on. Mark Allen did, I think. He went out in ninety four. And won it and didn't do another one? Yeah, didn't do another one. Uh, there's plenty of you Chrissy. haven't. Yeah, Chrissy. She went out on on a high. Uh, I don't know about Erin. I don't Erin sort of Erin kept winning, but uh Erin Baker, I don't know if she was as dominant as her early days when she kept on going. Um don't know about Paul and Yubi Fraser. I think she went out pretty pretty high up. Yeah, but like, like the right time is like, like he leaves now. That's the right time. Yes, you know what I mean. Comes back next year, gets fifth. If he, you know, maybe mm. a year older, um, it's not the right time. Crowey, he did one more year, didn't he? Oh, he's still going now. Yeah, I know, but he didn't. Uh, you know, yes, yeah, yep. he did one more. You know, like he did that stellar race. Mm-hmm. Then came back next year and was kind of not at that level anymore, mm-hmm. was he? It was, mm-hmm. it was a sudden decline, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And that was about the same age as where mm-hmm. Fredino is now. So it'll be interesting to see if Fredino does come back, can he maintain this level? Or do you just, you know, that one year difference when you get to this point in mm. the age of your kind of professional career? Yeah, it's, but not many. Most most stay on. Most mm. kind of think they can still do it for another year or two. And mm. um, so interesting. On the female side of the racing, you had Tessa uh, Cortecas from the Netherlands take it out. She swam one hour, rode 5.02, and ran a 3.35 for a 9.43. Um, she was well off the pace of Jocelyn McCauley. Jocelyn McCauley. I think when I saw she had like a 15 minute lead uh, on the mm. run and, and then uh, somehow detonated or didn't handle the run. Maybe she got injured, uh, I'm not quite sure, but I think she dropped out about 30k in, so got a long way in and I think she ended up in the, the medical tents, so probably heat related. So that's again, Jocelyn McCauley had a shitty Kona, um, gone here, got nothing and you're like, bloody hell, no points, uh, you know, you're, you're already at uh, sort of ground zero. So... Uh, second place was Naomi Washiki from Japan, and third place Simona Krivankova from the Czech Republic. But probably what is of most interest in the race was the first female, actually the fastest female, and this was sent in by Volker, the vascular Viking Voint, was actually an age grouper. So and this she, wasn't Tessa. No, no, no. She won, and she won by ten minutes. Uh, she beat the first pro female. So by she 10 did minutes. like an eight forty, eight thirty three, or something like that. Uh, nine thirty-three. Sorry, sorry, yeah, nine. I'm just pulling it up right now. Uh, she did a nine thirty-seven. Mackie 
Nisho, Nishoaki uh, just crushed it. And we're going to have to come up with a new term, and I was trying to think of this before. The Pro so, Destroyer? No, well, you could be the Pro Destroyer, but also she won the age group race overall. Oh, and the men's as well? No, the females oh. race by nearly an hour, by 57 minutes and 53 seconds. So we've got the dojo domination. It's 20 minutes. For 20 minutes. And is it 10 minutes and 70.3? Yes. Uh, but then what about for... An hour? An hour, or even maybe you go to 40 minutes. Is that like a, an age group annihilation? The down trail? That doesn't really, yeah. That's not really a word, is it? Yeah. Age group annihilation? Yeah, okay. Yep. So she age, oh, I bet if I actually go to her age group, she was in the 25 to But 20. she won all age groups by she now. Won, oh, oh, she, won, uh, she was the fastest female by 57 minutes. Wow. And in her age group. And beat the pros. Oh, she didn't quite crack the hour. Oh. 59 minutes and 11 disappointing. seconds. Disappointing. <laughs> yeah, disappointing. The age group annihilation. Okay, there we go. Age group annihilation. She's from Japan and she crushed it. She needs to be racing pro, obviously. She could have made some money. Okay, uh, also we had the Extra World Championships happen over there, and it uh, looks like Duffy and Weiss took it out. Xterra, so Xterra was in Maui, uh, as it is every year. I watched a teensy bit of the coverage. Not not great watching Xterra because... Um, Why? Because on the mountain bike, uh, they've just had a few fixed cameras around the course, because you can't really go yeah, around okay. the mountain. With yep. a, so it was it with a drone? Well, I heard them comment that the 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 drone they were supposed to have a drone, and they, maybe they did later in the race. I only watched it for five ten minutes, um, but the they didn't get uh, authority from the CAA or whatever it is in oh. terms of flying. And then they did, and then I don't know if they mess. got it got it in the end. Uh, but yeah, Flora Duffy, she was first equal out of the swim. Absolutely smoked it. Well, she came out with the, the lead sort of four or five guys uh, and then absolutely annihilated the field uh, for the rest of the race. She had the fastest female swim, bike, and run. And yeah, has she done this before? Of five times, for the fifth time. Okay, first person to ever win five in a row or five in total. So she won. And granted, this is you know two hours, 49 minutes. It's not like a half Ironman, Ironman time. She won by 14 minutes over Leslie Pedersen, who'd won uh, so a couple of times. Absolute crushing, uh, and then Bradley Weiss uh, took out a fairly closely fought men's race over Arthur Serreras from France and Ruben Razafa from Spain in third, and Kiwi Sam Osborne fourth. Uh, what was interesting was it rained over there during the race. It had all, all week had been clear and sunny and hot, and then during the race it rained and sounded like it made it carnage on the bike ride, uh, nice and muddy. And I noted that the guy third, Ruben Razafa, who's won a couple of times I think he had three crashes on the bike uh, so it, it looked like a great course on the bike it just all round looked absolutely wicked so if you want to try yeah. something a little bit different I've never I didn't they weren't really around as much in my time but I, I, I do think it's a cool idea I'm not much of a mountain biker mm. oh no I'd, I'd love but it but when they say mountain biking how technical is it oh it's, it's moderately technical okay no, it's it's Technical is such that um, there's a massive difference between a good rider and a crap rider. Yeah. But again, I haven't been on the course, but it's not so technical. Like if you went and did it, you'd be able to ride it, yeah. but you'd probably be pretty bloody slow. Yeah, because your skills just aren't yeah. next level. So yeah. I don't think it's extreme as you've got to get off your bike very often um, type thing. We had a couple of 70.3s happen. Um, uh, Ironman 70.3 in Waco. 
We did. Uh, Jacqueline Herring took that out. And on the boys' side, Sam Appleton beat out uh, Andrew Starkowitz. And then we had another 70.3 happen in I'm just pulling up the Marrakesh in Marrakesh Morocco. In Morocco. Isn't this cool about our sport? You know, you, we put the boot into WTC and stuff from time to time. Oh, but, but it's a global sport. Global sport. When you've got races happening in Morocco, because um, I saw that Marrakesh, I thought this, I knew Marrakesh was in Morocco. I thought, surely there's not another Marrakesh in the world, and there isn't. So cool to see. Um, and for the pros, you know, Great place to go and race. Uh, Kevin Morel from France took that out. Ahead of, and then on the females, Lusa Hulfhaler from Austria um, won that by three minutes. Did Tim Don end up racing Kona? He didn't, did he? No, I think, I'm pretty sure his focus is on the Olympics um, and leading a blind athlete. Oh, that's right, that's right. I was going to say, he's not going to the Olympics. Um, he got well, fourth he in this race. Yeah, well, not yeah. as a... As a Professional ITU athlete. No. Um, okay, we have some other big races happening. So, oh, sorry, another big announcements. Ironman have announced two new Ironman distance races. First in Portugal. It's the first ever full in Portugal. Uh, and they'll also be exist adding to the existing 70.3 there. Uh, then we've also got a new full distance Ironman happening in Finland as well. So, September for Portugal and August for Finland as well. So, pretty cool stuff. It is. So, I looked at the Portugal place. So, uh, Cascase, I think, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it or not, uh, looked like a wicked coastline, so that would be awesome, and, uh, and whenever you go to Scandinavia and, and stuff, I'm sure they'll do a great job in Finland. So. My first ever overseas trip, like I think it was even before I went to Australia, mm. maybe I've been to Australia, but a big trip, I went to Portugal for Les Mills, mm. and I'd never done a long haul, mm. so, and I was not prepared for a long haul, mm-hmm. so I basically, from the moment I got out of the house... So the moment when I arrived, it was about 37 hours, yep. didn't sleep at all. Yeah. Arrived in the morning, we had to work, and we only I was only here for five days, and I came back home. Yeah. I was miserable, man. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so really horrible. But when we were in Portugal, one, one, we kind of did our work in the end of this big function. We were driving into town, and there's all these the families on the side of the road selling, selling these little hammers, the plastic hammers that when you bang them, they toot. Right, you know, so we're thinking, why are these families just on the side oh, of the yes. road? And we just couldn't figure out what it was. We head into town. We go to this beautiful place. You know the guy, the, the um, Eiffel Tower. Yeah. There's a bridge that he designed in Portugal, so oh, nice. it's kind of similar design. Beautiful restaurants and stuff. We're heading there. Turns out there's this is festival, this annual festival where mm-hmm. it was like a harvest festival. So back in the day, you get some. On a kind of kind of like garlic or something, you kind of put over people's heads. But over time, it's evolved into these plastic hammers. Right. So there's literally like a hundred thousand people walking around just banging each other on the head with the hammers. Nice. It was a highlight of my trip. I tell you, I was banging everyone with hammers. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Um, okay, we also big news around Ironman New Zealand. Not happy, Bevan. Wow, it's gone to rolling age group starts. <sighs> God, got this email through on Friday. And just thought, ah, oh, that's the end, the end of a dynasty that I'm in New Zealand. And I might be wrong here, but I don't think there was many, is many uh, mass part- mass starts left. And I, was, was there, I thought I'm in New Zealand went to kind of choose your start time. No, no, it was mass start, stayed mass start until uh, this year, which is a real shame. And the reason I think it's a shame is I understand that the wave start is really good for a lot of races. It does help reduce the drafting issues on yep. the bike. Uh, it makes it a more comfortable swim, uh, and I totally get that, and most uh, most age groupers enjoy that. Um, but for Ironman New Zealand, it's a much smaller field. You know, they'll typically get maybe between 1,000, maximum 1,500. Drafting isn't typically, it's, it's a bit of an issue, but it's not, 
a, sign, it's what not a significant like, yeah, yeah. issue. Uh, it's more, more because often people want to cheat and, and then just being lazy. There's enough space and road out there for it not to be a major, major issue like it is elsewhere. Um, so it's really t- I'm just disappointed because I, I get that it's more comfortable in the swim for people, but that's part of the challenge for me is, is going in there and uh, and having a mass start. And if you don't want to be a part of that, then you go out to the side or, or off. And, and that's the other advantage with, with Taupo. It's, it's a big lake. It's you, wide, can, yeah. you, can, you can swim wherever you want and, uh, and and have a clean swim if you don't want to swim in the fastest channel. So um, disappointing for me. Has the rolling start brought more people to the sport? I wouldn't have thought so. No, neither. But I think, uh, but, but as I said, I would say that 80% of the field are probably happy about it. Because they will, it's it's much more comfortable. You just go out there and do your own race. But for the ones that want to that challenge and get bashed around and actually know where they are, it's disappointing. And, and I'd be less disappointed if if they'd gone to a wave start. If they'd gone to wave start, I'd say fair enough. You know, then you are you've still got that sort of mass start element within your age group, and then you know where you are. Um, I just yeah. So not the best. rolling. So the rolling is just we choose when you go, is it? Well, it varies at races, so um, they'll do it by age group here, which is good in a sense. That so how does it work? So wait, I thought I thought rolling was kind of age group starts. So what's the tell well, me? So there's there's in terms of rolling age group starts, you have a couple of options. They'll group you into your different coloured different age groups. You have different coloured swim caps, and then they go right forty to forty four men. Uh, you're going, and you'll either just run down a channel and just go one by one into the water or alternatively at some races like at Kona 70.3 they'll start you five at a time every five seconds oh, so it varies yeah, a bit like that at all. Uh, it, it varies a bit race to race I thought it was uh, I thought it was just like waves age group wave starts I like that no, yeah that's fine mate uh, I wonder why I mean, they've gone with that because it's but just consistency across the whole circuit because all the other races are doing that so disappointing yeah okay. come on I uh, we just get some feedback from Ali Hollington and Taran Nazawoski I'm going to say Narawoski, uh, lovely man. I've expected him before, um, but just um, on what the pros were saying about the race, and Daniela put a post up on her Instagram, kind of talking about the race. And ultimately, she said, "I was pull up right here, John." She said she was sick before the race, uh, had a tummy bug. <clears throat> still determined to go out there dug deep gave everything she had on the day just disappointed I couldn't show the form I was in today but I guess every long distance athlete has to experience um, one of these humbling races where the day feels very long pain was real but the support on the race course was even more real I definitely felt the motto Ohana of the triathlon family out there Bevan here's a question for you yeah if you were in her shoes and you You'd been sick, and you were—you you know you're not going to be right on race day. Yep. Um, would you start or not? Because you got Langer on the other side. Who it sounded out. like he was—he was, he was um, on borderline, just on the borderline. Sort of felt a bit crappy the day before, but sort of rolled the dice. But it sounded like with Reef, she was, she'd been sick for a few days and was yeah. Had, I think you do. Nothing. I think you do. Do you? Because because like I remember I did Abel Tesman a few years ago. And A, I was injured for three weeks leading into it, so I did no running at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got really sick the week of. And, mm-hmm. I, and I remember I was like, and even the day before, when we'd gone up there, I was like, and I thought, you know what? I'll have to work through it. So I started the run, had a blinder. Mm-hmm. So I think you just don't know. And I think I'd rather, I'd rather die knowing than die not knowing, if you know what I mean. So I think in this situation, you'd start the race, who knows? You know, and this 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 case didn't work out, but I think you should probably be more happier going. You know what? And and like no, if you're in bed and you can't walk, 
mm. it's a different beast. But she obviously could finish an Ironman on the day. Um, well, do you think you wouldn't do it? No. The, if, if I was an age group, if you're an age group going to Kona and no, do any, it. any other time, I'd do it. But if you were going, absolutely going for the win, and you get up, you've been rubbish for days. You get up, you rubbish. You, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would. Okay. But see, see, I think I would. I think I'd go. You know what? Get out there, I'll see what happens. Mm. You know, and the thing about it is, you've got the the justification of you know it ain't my day, just get to the end. Mm. Or like Patrick, you go, it ain't my day, I'm getting out of here. And that's fair enough in those situations. Uh, Lucy, I mean, so Ayla Hellington sent through just a link to a great article that 220 Triathlon did, just getting all the Instagram feeds from all the people. Um, Lucy Charles made some good comments. She just said here, Today I thought like I'd never thought before, fought before. I rolled the dice and took a chance. There were times when I thought I could actually win this thing and then there were times where I thought I couldn't even finish that, uh, this Kona. Um, a little sprint just last 2K pullback in a second has made me unbelievable walk, but it was worth it. So it's just some good little posts here from all the pros. So interesting times. It's, it's interesting to see the different posts from those who have done well and those who maybe haven't done so well. John, coming up this weekend, we've got Ironman Florida. We have. We've got a very strong field lining up there. You've got Ben Hoffman, Franz Loschke. It's uh, good to see him doing well in Kona again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where did he, uh, was he? Fifth? Fourth. Fourth or fourth or fifth. Yep. So again, he's going into this. It's not a validation race. You've got to win it. Uh, Franz Loschke, Joe Skipper, Brent McMahon, Andrew Starkwood. Jeez, that's a strong field, isn't it? Really wild. Matt, Matt Russell. Um, Jeez, that's Jesper a good field. Vincent. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really strong field. $50,000 prize money. Two, so this is the problem now, isn't it? All these guys are trying to get their ticket to, to the big race mm-hmm. and uh only one gets it what about on the female side of the race oh this is a male only race oh okay yeah i didn't I only just realized that so I'm, I'm picking that maybe arizona is a female only race okay any other non uh ironman races coming up it's again? not it's a quiet time of the year in terms of the non uh wtc races we haven't got really anything till november the 23rd which is an extreme race and you've got a couple of other extreme yeah they're all extreme race races between here and the end of the year the next yeah it's nothing really significant now until <laughs> about april time john the question i have is how is your leg wax guy i just noticed you've got no no hair on your legs and last week yeah. i was seeing the bushy bear start to come through yeah uh, how was that it's good went to a different place oh why yeah. oh you got, uh, the, you got the deal didn't you I did get the deal. And will you Thank be going God back I got to the place? Deal. They did do a very good job, but they were very expensive even with my deal. Oh, was, really? They were, it's an Auckland chain, and all they do is waxing. Okay. And pricey. Good job. Pricey. But then I've got to weigh up. It's like 20 bucks more than where I'd go elsewhere. Even with the deal? Uh, no, not with it okay. normally. And I was like, oh, do I pay the extra 20? Or What makes a good wax? Uh, they get everything off. Well, that's and okay. they. And Where do they stop, John? Well, you'd like to know. Uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a bit breezy down there at the moment. Um, yeah, just I don't know whether I'm prepared to pay the extra I, I guarantee you're going to the cheap place. Oh, it's pretty frustrating when you get a shitty wax done, though. Did you say about, something? Sorry? When, you know, like, I once had a haircut. I was in Australia in a mall. And I'm, I'm pretty random with haircuts. I don't go to the same hairdresser. I just go wherever I feel like going mm-hmm. on the day. So, and I went to, I was getting a haircut. And as it's happening, you know you're getting a tear. <laughs> and you just say something, but, and I end up looking like a schmuck for like a month. But oh well, hair grows back. But do you tell them, do you, when they're doing a bad wax, do you say, look? I don't. No. No, because they've got the power, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. 
Come on, do your job right. Do your job. Okay, John's ITU update. Quick ITU update. We had the uh, latest round of the World Cup race racing, which is uh, the second tier. It was in Maziaki. Uh, Matthew McElroy took out his second race in a row. He won the last weekend or the weekend before in Tungyong uh, in front of Eli Hemming and the Yelly Greens. And then on the female side of things, AU Ada took that out again. Uh, she got a close, I think it was second in Tungyong in front of Claire Michelle and Valerie Bartholomew, two Belgians uh, in second and third place. Nicholas Spurrig only managed fourth. Yeah, so she's on a, on a, I guess she's on a bit of a comeback, but she's not sort of crushing it, but just probably trying to get enough what would you Olympic from points. Her? Oh, she, she, she'll pull it out on the day in terms of the Olympics. I guarantee she'll be in the, not well, don't guarantee, but I'd say there's a pretty strong chance. In Japan, it's going to be a flat course. She'll just pull the whole second bunch up to the front group and uh, she'll probably run herself into fifth or something like that. Okay. Nice. Uh, Jombo, what I really need to know is this week's discussion. So this week's discussion, we're talking about what was kind of the not-so-good things about Kona. Uh, you know, we're kind of not just as in uh, those watching on the coverage, but for those who are also at the race. And we've got a few feedback on this one, John, so let's talk about it. Uh, Rob Flynn, the lack of panning to other riders due to focus on the lead rider. Even a pack of five, you could drop back to see each one just for a few moments. Uh, Lynette Wan's got, uh, at the dinners, the world's best Ironman triathletes eating off plastic plates using plastic knives and forks at an event that costs you $1,000 plus active fee to enter. Not environmentally friendly. They could do uh, other races. You wash the plates and so on. It's actually a pretty good point nowadays, oh, isn't it? Absolutely. It's not that expensive to get, you know, recycled plates. So I, I think getting full-on crockery is probably a bit much, depending on how much they have at the the King Cam over there. But um, to get some recycled stuff, recyclable stuff. Totally agree. Yep. John Blanco swimming through the waves ahead of me. With the wave starts, we started to run into athletes after barely 400 metres. I used to only catch a few stragglers before the turn. Uh, it really disrupted the swim, not allowing groups to form as they would break up as you came across folks from the prior waves. So that is one of the downsides of wave starts, not just for the females, yeah. but for the tail end males to be swimming through so many people. But got to take the advantages with the disadvantages unfortunately yeah there's no perfect system uh tom clements has got the worst part of the corona coverage is greg welch but given greg some credit he's consistent in his tedious delivery and patronizing presentation i disagree i like greg he's fine um yeah, it's a hard game mm. you know um, yeah yeah and he adds a bit of flavor so, yeah, but, but fair enough. Uh, Pedro Acker um, with Brownlee. It's not just that they didn't know, uh, see or know about his puncher, but they never noticed the wheel change afterwards. Oh, they didn't mention it. Uh, they did mention it late in the ride. Yeah, yeah. Some, somebody else had pointed it out to them. Yep. Uh, it is interesting because he was right at the top. You think someone would have got that to him? Like he was at the front of the pack then when that happened. Mm. It wasn't like he was in pack three and he, you mm. know. Uh, Graham Cole was got here. No loss of coverage was refreshing and the quality of film was great. The commentators did a good job of keeping things flowing, but they were very repetitive and agree with earlier comments of being a bit patronising. Uh, the bit that irked me was the constant reference to breaking the record for the swim, bike and run got a bit tedious. All in all, though, I thought it was great coverage via free Facebook Live and uh, really have you a, a good gave you a good understanding of how tough the race was james thomas too much camera time focused on venton riders who weren't in the mix of the race i, uh, I get oh, the really? sponsorship Did was there i didn't really notice that Neither. so james you must be very observant but it was a bit much he said uh robert flynn's got the lack of panning to the other riders due to the lack of to focusing on the race leader it's a tough one for them 
Mm. It is a tough one because you want to see in the men's race there was a pack as well. Uh, even in a pack of five, you could drop back and see each one for a few moments. Um, did you just see Rob Flynn then? No, I've got, oh, Robert Flynn, yeah, I did. Yeah, I just did that earlier. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, Hua Chin, it's defending champion. Daniela should have had a little more coverage, even if she was struggling. Out of the eight hours plus, she saw her for maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, you didn't see much of her, but you, you saw Daniela. It, they, they, they did still show a bit of her on the run. Um, and from time to time on the bike, I thought, given how far back she was, yeah. it was probably... Fair enough. She wasn't in the game, unfortunately. No. no. Uh, Richard Swanee Noah's got uh, the cringeworthy interview with the Ventum CEO going on about how brilliant Ventum Bikes was and how fast it was and how it was designed specifically for the Kona course. I am not sure how many Ventum-sponsored athletes finished in the respective top 10. Neil Eddy, CEO of Ironman, putting his arm around Alexander Vinokurov, the 45 to 49-year-old uh, champion and former cyclist, uh, and manages to bike the same as worth over the first part of the course. David Oss came back said, Neil Eddy, we all know what Vinokurov ran on when he was a pro. Mm. Deborah Neil's got the worst aspect uh, was the fact that I wasn't there this year. Seriously, Kona Mofo, or sorry, Mofo, FOMO. Uh, but I do love the fact that we can watch it live back here in Australia. Thank you, Iron Man. Now, all in all, the big weekend of athletics with the Enos. Uh, one, oh yeah, it's a sub two hour women's world marathon in Chicago, Ironman World Championship, and locally Melbourne Marathon. Brilliant. Karen Telford, uh, Ironman motorcycle cutting off Jen Arnett on the fast descent on Palani Road and throwing her off her bike. She continued on but had to pull out in the run due to the pain from her injury. So it sounded like there was um, a couple of incidents out there, um, which is a real shame. Phil Scott's got best coverage today, and actually I kind of agree. Mm. I think it's the best it's been. Yeah. Uh, final one I've got Matthew Bins no vision of the 33rd finisher crossing the line I wonder if there was because they went to a fixed camera there so I agree that they should be giving a bit of love to the 33rd finisher um, because they did just go to a static finish camera after that but they may have missed him if they were off doing an interview or something I don't think they really get that it's our thing Uh, Kylie Cox just got the fight back from Braden and we didn't see any of it Mm. That's a problem when you're the runner who's way back coming through, aren't you? Exactly. You know, how do they know if you're going to have a good run? Mm. That is tough on them. John, you? Uh, I haven't really got too much bitching and moaning over and above what people have sort of said. I think for me, it's just that lack of uh, cohesion between what's actually going out on the course and the commentary team. So I'm not giving the commentary team a... Some builder just fell over <laughs> next to the <laughs> oh, really? place. He's walking along, picked himself up pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, he's just walking along the front of this house. Um, just that lack of cohesion between what's actually going on out on the course and um, for them to be able to comment on it. So that's not giving a dig at the commentators, but I think... Well, the if system, they, it's if the they system, had isn't a, it? Yeah, if they had a few people out on the course, uh, on, especially on the run, um, being able to provide them with information and then having Torsten in studio with them, providing them with more, then they're going to be uh, they're going to be able to provide better commentary. So I think they do the best with, with, with the information that they've got, which I think is basically the information we have uh, ourselves off the tracker. Other than that, I thought it was um, it was pretty good coverage, and I haven't. Yeah, I think the the waves wave starts sounded like it worked as well as it was expected and could be expected. Um, so I haven't got too many. And gripes. even they're kind of repeating the same stuff. Eighty hours a long time oh, commentating. Be horribly hard. You know, it is a long time commentating, mm. and and how many points can you really? You mm. know, like even when you do your research, there are limits, aren't there? Here's a question for you, Bevan. That's the second question oh, of the day I'm for you. Very special is. Would do you think people would pay for the Kona coverage if you said, uh, right, 
20 bucks to get the coverage and for that we'll make sure we've got an extra two cameras on the course or something like that. Do you think anybody would pay? I, I think it would be a very small percentage. I, I don't think it would pay itself. No. Yeah. No. Would Here's a question. If you had Back to pay for Kona, would you pay? Well, I probably would. How much? 20 bucks, something like that. Um, but I think that you know we know from podcasting in terms of how many patrons we have versus how many listeners, I'd imagine the ratio would be somewhat similar. Yeah. I would say that they, they would get more out of sponsors saying, okay, we're going to pr- produce, uh, broadcast this to whatever, 100,000 people, however many people watch. Well, that's good because you can't see how many people are watching it. Mm. I can't remember that. I remember thinking, I was surprised the sub two hour didn't have as many live because I thought the sub two hour in the marathon was going to be like 10 times more Kona. Mm. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but I remember watching it live. I think this post, sub two hours, got a lot more coverage, obviously. Mm-hmm. But while live, it, it wasn't as many as I thought for sub no. two. And then the Ironman, I thought, well, it'll be interesting to see the Ironman. And I think it was like a third, mm. you know, which has surprised me. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think that going down the subscription model would get them no. any more money in terms of uh, being able to try to generate more. Well, I, I think that the fact that even sponsorship-wise, it was pretty light on sponsorship mm. shows that they really see it as a loss leader. Mm. You know, so you know, good stuff. Okay, this week, uh, last week I talked about this on the show. The question is in this week's discussion: What do you do to annoy and or, or put off a rival? <laughs> and we're, we're thinking here, you know, that person in your triathlon club who, you know, you might be friendly to, but you really love beating them. Yeah, you know, just that person there. Um, I used to talk, John, John. John needs calm. He, he wouldn't get anything back calm from me. before the farm, before a race. Yeah. John goes into his inner little world, leave him alone. Yeah. And he has old eyes. Hey, mate, how you going? Bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I used to annoy the crap out of Newsome. So um, what do you do to annoy or put off a rival when you're racing? John, let's talk about extreme endurance, your lactic buffer. CB Deep Sleep is there. We need to get some. We do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd love to give it a try. It's their organic uh, hemp oil recovery sleep blend. Um, so slide into peaceful rest with our black eye mask. So you do get a little black eye mask with it as slide, well. Slide. Just slide into it, John. <laughs> and their peppermint chewable CB deep sleep. Um, you're getting, we're all getting less sleep and a lot of us is that the quality is decreased. So it's going to be critical to get more uh, essential brain functions including cognitive concentration, productivity and performance by using this product. It's got a GABA in it uh, or a YABA calm, which gives you a calming effect and may help to naturally induce sleep by reducing nerve excitability. It's got uh, tryptophan which may help bring on a natural calming effect, lifting mood and inducing sleep. It's got 5-HTP helping the body to produce more serotonin. Uh, it's got MCT oil and it's got a natural peppermint flavour. So we've been getting some good feedback from people finding that they are able to sleep better. So if you are struggling in that regard, uh, get onto it and get yourself nice and relaxed. Check it out at xendurance.com Check, check, check it out team. It's, it's yeah, I'd love to give it a go. So we have mm. to give, give it a go. Uh, John, let's put some music on. Age group, group of the week. week. Good old Tim Tansley sent through Richie Collins, level two, soon to be a level three triathlon coach, head coach at the tri section of. How does that one, John? 
Hold on, I'm just going back to it. Uh, the tri section at the Ostwery Olympians Athletic and Triathlon Club. He's done 15 plus Ironman, now 50 plus, and still getting quicker. Inspiration, who finally made Kona on the legacy after missing out by one or two places on several occasions. He in, inspires and coaches members of the club to reach way beyond what they perceive their limits to be. He's trained multiple athletes to represent Great Britain age groupers over every distance. Um, and 15 times Ironman finisher uh, and he was using the hashtag cancer to Kona 2019 uh, and he got a, 20, a legacy slot in 2019 so he raced over in Kona uh, Rich Collins in okay. the 50 to 54 age group yeah. um, and he finished in 11 hours 45 minutes love your work 155th out of 237 in the age group age group and he did a 1 hour 29 swim 5 hours 49 on the bike and 4 hours 16 on the run which to me looks like a pretty nicely balanced race uh, let's see his placings as he went through so uh, 218th out of the swim uh, 151st uh, in the age group on the bike and 129th on the run so he did he did move through nicely gotta say Richie sounds like one of those great people in the sport lover of the sport you know got his own challenges but it gives back to the sport helps others develop you know just does that thing of makes the sport greater mm. with his presence in the sport and that's a great thing with the legacy program is yeah he's the guy who needs to do Kona isn't he mm. He's done 15, 15 of these bad boys and he's had a slot and the gone over there and boys. done it. Yeah. Go the bad boys. Um, yeah, just like, yeah, awesome. Like, he's the kind of person who's just really great for the sport because he's obviously got a passion for it, loves it himself, gets other people involved. So, Richie Collins, you are our age group of the week. week. Love your work, mate. You're a bloody legend. Let's do it. Three, two, two one. one. Pro, pro of the week. week. John, I've got to say, this is a pretty impressive pro of the week because I don't know if we've had many age groupers who are pretty elite age groupers mm-hmm. pull off the top 10 in Kona. I, I agree. Totally agree. So we're looking at uh, Philip, uh, how do you say his last name? Um, pretty sure it's Philip Kootenay. Kootenay. From um, Switzerland. And so just one thing John found in his little corner from his website is, I made the switch from age group to pro racing in 2016. 2015, I was uh, Ironman 70.3 age group world champion. and 30-34. And then age group world champion runner-up. In the Kona World Championships in 3034 in 2015 as well. So he had a pretty good year that year. Turned to pro. Now, you, you know, you kind of think this is the kind of guy who can go win a second tier race. Um, you know, he had, I think he got second in Malaysia the last weekend. But, you know, like, good athlete. But none of those guys get top 10. No, we have seen examples of people doing it, but more so when they've won maybe the 20 to 24 or the 25 yeah, to 29. Yeah. When you're 30 to 39 or 30 to 35, you're thinking, oh, crappy. You know, it may, he, maybe he is at just 30 and he's just clicked over, but still a bit of a late bloomer. And I, I agree with you. You know, Lucy Charles won uh, age group world championships as a, as a youngster. Uh, and there are other examples, but on the especially on the male side and the latter age groups to go and get a top 10, um, yeah, it would be very few and far between. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to highlight him. Uh, he won in Zalamse in 2015 for 70.3. Uh, and then, as Bevan said, he was second in Hawaii in 2015. Switched over to pro in 2016. And it looked like he had a bit of a, a lean year. He went to Cozumel, got 10th. And then uh, the following summer, he came to New Zealand, only got 11th. Um, in Brazil, he got 10th. Frankfurt, um, 2017, he got 10th. Uh, and then in 2018... Um, 
cranked it up a little bit, but still only ninth in South Africa, sixth in Frankfurt, uh, but then he won um, Talonin, which was in Estonia, uh, and that would have been where he got his uh, slot, did 8.01.18, and then... Uh, Oh no, then he went on to Hawaii, he got 15th last year. So maybe it shouldn't have been such a surprise when he did get 15th. He's moved up sort of seven places. Uh, and then he got fifth in Frankfurt this year, uh, and then eighth in Kona, and then second at Malaysia. So a bit of a weapon on the bike. He had the second or third fastest bike time in Kona, and then he, um, you know, he rode a storm at the weekend, uh, putting, you know, 12 minutes plus into to Gomez on the bike over there as well. So keep a look out for him. He's from Switzerland, Philip Kootenay. Uh, What's cool about him, if you go to his about page, he's got, I've always been a triathlete. I joined the Wildcats Triathlon Club in Basel as a kid. A great team and environment to develop in the sport. As a junior and under 23, I focused on short course racing and gained a couple of years of experience as a pro, mainly racing in Switzerland and France. I had a break from the sport for five years while I studied and got back into it in 2002. 12 I was able to get my fitness back pretty quickly and soon made to switch from short to long distance I just love that you know he's he's, mm. he's the, the lifer isn't he absolutely yeah good, good on him yeah good work and what an awesome result mm. like that was the name when we get to top 10 who's this mm. Mm. you know and like we've had many guys who have done the age group thing and you know had a good career yeah but not me I can't like who, who else can we think of in the last 10 years who's got top 10 in Kona who wasn't well, I don't know if they've got top 10, but there's a South African fella that's going to elude me um, right now. So there, there is a few examples, but it, yeah. Top 10. I don't know if they've made the top 10. I think there's probably more examples on the female side than the males. Yeah. But again, that's often in the younger age groups and then coming through to so Rachel Joyce. I don't know if she won Kona, but she did well as an age grouper, um, and quite a few of them did. But uh, yeah, the crack top 10 is pretty impressive. Love your work, Philip. Uh, okay, John, let's, we've got an interview coming up. Who is it with? It is Stuart McGuinness. He is the CEO of the X-Try World Tour. Uh, if you want to, we were talking about Xterra, um, which is your off, off-road version of triathlon with a mountain bike. X-Try is when you go off and you do these crazy bike courses. The swim's typically freezing cold and the run uh, often incorporates a mountain climb. Uh, so you're out there for a while. So we're going to hear about that right now. Here it is, here it is right now. Okay guys, uh, over the last, I don't know, probably a year or two, you, you know, every, it seems every week or every fortnight I seem to be saying, um, oh there's another X-Try on this weekend and, and, and they're all sort of in all corners of the world now in terms of South America, plenty in Europe, we've got one in New Zealand, um, obviously Norseman and they seem to be all over the place and a couple of weeks ago I was on a website and saw that all the events were listed there and there's a world championship um, and I think we talked about it a long time ago but we didn't really know where the direction of this X-Try was heading so today we've got the CEO of X-Try World Tour on uh, Stuart McGuinness and he's going to tell us all about it so welcome along to the show Stuart. Thanks, guys. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. So tell us a bit about, um, before we get into the X-Try, tell us a little bit about your, your background. I can tell where your accent's from, but, uh, and I can see where you're residing, which is not where your accent is from. Um, <laughs> so to maybe tell us about your, your background, either as an athlete or you know, however you've come to where you are now. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, and uh, yeah, just to confuse you, I am actually from Scotland. I do live in Sweden, and uh, the address of X-Try is in Norway. So you can figure all of that out if you like. Uh, and actually, my background is not as an athlete. Uh, I had to do this on a, our own podcast last week as well. I was asked the same question. I actually come from the triathlon business. I used to own a triathlon store in Edinburgh in Scotland. Mm. Uh, and that, that really started the triathlon journey 
for me, but uh, never, never as an athlete at all. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim to be one. That would be unfair. <laughs> what got you into it being a triathlon store owner? Oh, there you go. There's a question. <laughs> uh, actually, I was a nutritional store owner. I had a store that uh, sold sports nutrition and, and actually rented the basement of that store to a company who had a triathlon shop. Uh, and when they decided to move on, they offered me the sale of that business. And, and I took it because I could see it as a real, uh, a real growing sport at that time. This is quite a while ago now, 2007, 2008, I think. Um, so that that's where that began, and, and we we uh, took it from there. We we started a number of local events, and then uh, ultimately went to Norseman. Uh, saw this incredible event that that needed to be exported, and and that's what we did uh, with with the uh, with the nod from the Norseman guys. We did we didn't plagiarise it as such, um, and we brought it to Scotland. And so was was that a kelp man you're talking about, or or, or exactly. just yeah all of these things uh, so you can hear me okay sorry big pardon uh, yes absolutely so we, we created Kelpman in 2012 uh, having been to Norseman and seen this epic event and so they were really supportive or, or at least they weren't resistant of it um, how much did they support you in setting it up and what kind of lessons did they teach you and what lessons did you learn in setting up a race like this well, I think it was more to do with, and this is something that we it's always difficult to explain, what we were trying to do was to create the kind of feeling of Norseman because, it, you know, we already hosted triathlons. That was, that's not the difficult part. And, of course, Scotland has this uh, incredible uh, countryside availability that we can use for that. But it was really an assistance with creating the, the feel of the concept and the kind of um, overall uh, draw of the event um, which was the more difficult part. And they were very supportive with that. They gave us a lot of their information about, you know, how they'd come to the concept, how they'd created this uh, u- unique approach, or in fact, uh, basic approach is probably a better way to, to look at it. Mm. So t- tell us about um, the X-Try World Tour, because, you know, when you go to the website, I just see a whole bunch of um, events listed there. So maybe just tell us what you're doing, what it is, and where you're kind of heading. Yes, uh, and I apologise that our website is just a list of links. We're actually developing something more exciting for that. But really, that's what it stands to be. It's it's um, it's a calendar of the of the X-Try events. And, and as you pointed out at the beginning there, there are events all over the world. Some of them are not under the X-Try World Tour banner. The one in New Zealand, for example, is just a little event, mm. uh, which is which which we're not not associated with. But really, the the three original events, if you like, the Kelpman, Swissman, and Norseman, existed coexisted as kind of friends, brothers, if you like, for a number of years. And the three races decided that because there was more and more races appearing around the world in the kind of same style, calling themselves extras, that we needed to have a way of controlling the the quality of that uh, and making sure that Norseman retained its kind of position as the original and best extra. Uh, and that's where the world tour concept came from. So we uh, we now evaluate and uh, list races based on certain parameters and values and quality, uh, with the ultimate goal of of them all leading into the the world championship. What are those uh, values and, and qualities that you're looking for? They're slightly intangible, to be honest. They're uh, it, it's not. We, we don't give people a great big, like Ironman would give you a dossier of, of rules and regulations. We don't do that. It's more a kind of set of values. So we need to make sure that they, uh, they're well integrated into the community, that they create a journey to get there, that the, the courses are difficult and exciting. And, and uh, you know, there's various things that, that create the, um, uh, 
the atmosphere of the event is different from other long distance triathlons. Mm. So, what's the? Is it a business for you guys, or more of a, you know, in terms of it's a resource for athletes to find other events, or or are you looking to be not necessarily another Ironman, but you know, I kind of look at you and think, oh, is this like a, a challenge brand where events will be branded? So, what's your sort of your, your business position, I guess? Yes, it is. Uh, it is a business for us, um, and of course, we we stand to be a kind of centralised umbrella for these other events. They're all independently run, so we don't own these events. Uh, the The XTRI World Tour, the XTRI World Tour, is owned by the three original races, but the other races are all independently run, uh, and we stand to be a, a marketing source for them and also a source of uh, information and quality and to create a family feel. So we always we always work closely with the organisers. And it may seem to you that there's been a huge growth in this because uh, we have only launched ourselves as a business two years ago, um, and it looks like the growth is 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 fairly fast. But actually, these races have all been in development for a long time. Some of them have existed for many years. We're in year nine with Keltman now. And mm. um, uh, so it's sorry. On you go. You go. You carry on. Uh, so so that was really it. Just that the um, there's now twelve races in the tour. And we are adding two to three per year, uh, no more than that, uh, up to a maximum of, of probably 20. We don't want to have a much bigger uh, tour than that because it, it becomes splintered. So it needs to be, the quality needs to be retained and the exclusivity needs to be retained. Um, one of the challenges a lot of athletes have is trying to get into Norseman. You know, it's a small field and it's done on a ballot basis from, from my understanding. Um, and I noticed you've got sort of qualifying to go into the, into the I guess, if you call it a grand final or whatever you might call it. Is that sort of the, the objective of the series? So at each race it would have a number of qualifying slots or is that not really where you're going? No, absolutely. That's one of the fundamental reasons for it because the, the Norseman is now so popular that people are beginning, or some people will get frustrated with the the uh, the difficulty of getting through the draw. Uh, and for a number of years, Norsemen have done uh, extra extra things like adding extra chances into the draw. If you've been uh, if you've been disappointed in previous years, you'll get extra chances for that. Uh, but what we've done with the the XTRI World Tour races is not only are there qualifying slots which get you to the grand final, the World Championship. But there's also random slots, and this is probably of more interest than most of the athletes who are doing these races because very few people want to or can win them, uh, and they're not really designed to be competitive. You know, we don't have a ranking system, for example. So we have, there's only a few people who come to these races who want to be at the top level. Most people want to finish it, and that was the whole point of Norseman was you get a T-shirt if you're first, you get a T-shirt if you're 160th at the top mm. of the mountain. It's the same T-shirt. So, so these random slots uh, are offered to any finisher of the race. So it's a much. So if you go and do a race in Slovakia, for example, where they can only have a hundred athletes because it's in a national park, then maybe seventy of those will finish the race, uh, and then you have the opportunity of uh, you know there's two male and two female slots are given randomly to any finisher at the, the ceremony afterwards. So you've got a fairly good extra chance of getting into the Norseman via another race. Now, now when you balance it out. How many slots go to people who are competitive, as in the people winning, versus those who are just in the random draw? Yeah, well, you have two male, two female for the winners, so first and second place, and you also have two male, two female okay. for the um, for the competitors. And actually, you're probably now going to ask the female question. What's the balance? It's terribly unfair to the men. 
but you know <laughs> we, we we don't care because it's uh, we we need to get more females into the sport. I think Norsemen have a seven or eight percent um, female applicants for for the draw, so we're offering fifty percent in terms of the availability of these random slots, which is a really good opportunity if you're if you're female and you race one of these other races uh, to get in is uh, highly likely. Seems like a crazy idea. I wonder if another organisation might get on the bandwagon with that as well. Um, so in, in terms of, you, you said the first two finishers get a spot. So this is it is more based at the elite, elite end or the, the fastest people rather than necessarily age groups and all that sort of stuff. Precisely. We have no age groups. There, there, are, only, there are only male and female. That's it. There's no age groups in, in X-Try at all. So it's really just uh, the first, first and second male and female. Now, does it then mean that Norseman, you know, you're saying that it does, you know, everyone's kind of even, it's more about completion, but does it make it more of a championship race? And, you know, do you start to acknowledge, you know, first, second and third at Norseman in a way that is moving away a little bit from the tradition? But, you know, because if you're getting all the top people from around the world doing the X-Try races, that means that field at Norseman will be stronger because they've taken away from the random draw of the past. No, because they've, what they've done is Norsemen have always had an elite field. So they've always had uh, a, a small number of people, less than 50, who are selected via their results, which they've, they've oh, okay. put on their application form. So this, the world champion slots, slots really just replace the elite slots. Okay. It just means that they've come from a different source. But they've always been there. So that doesn't change that at all. Okay. So we've had we've seen people like Lucy Gossage. Uh, I think she won Norseman last year. I know she. You won Anderson won it years ago, didn't he? Yeah, and um, <laughs> and and she she went and did the Patagonia man as well. Um, is the professional angle something of interest for you guys, or is that not your cup of tea? Well, it's. I wouldn't say it's not our cup of tea, but certainly it's more in in the sense that we don't um, we don't encourage it. Uh, when I always thought that's probably the wrong thing to say. We don't discourage it either. But certainly what we don't do is there's no money involved, obviously. So it's, it's, it's more difficult for professional athletes to come and do these races. But if they want to come, they're very welcome. And they come and they pay their fee and they do the race like everybody else. So we're not making it uh, easier for them to come. Um, but hopefully we are an attractive enough or, or different enough prospect for them to want to try. What, 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 20 years from now, what do, you, what do you hope it would be? Well, I would hope it would be... Uh, a series of, of races in really spectacular places, consolidated so we don't become over-the-top uh, large, mm. uh, and to have Norsemen as, uh, well, it, obviously the, the most um, obvious comparison is, is the kind of X-Try Kona, mm. but uh, it will always have this limited field number, so they have 250 plus the elites. Mm. and that's So it's only going to become more exclusive in a sense, but with uh, with more feeder races. Mm. Um, I, I guess one question I had, I, I've made comments a couple of times going through some of these races and see the, the relatively small field sizes. And I, I organise a lot of events myself, um, more sort of sprint to Olympic distance triathlons. Um, and I look at it and I go, how the hell can you make something viable unless you're extremely passionate about it and you're not making a business out of it when you're only getting maybe 50 to 100 people on the start line. But then on the flip side, I look at it and go, well, it, do, it appears to me like there's probably not a lot of traffic management costs because you're self-supported. So I know you'd still have plenty of costs around the event. Um, but I guess you've run Kelpman. How, how do you kind of make that viable um, when you've got such small participant numbers? Well, 
it wouldn't be viable at 50 to 100, of course. I mean, we have to have a full field for it to be viable. And yes, they are still expensive races to put on. But I think originally we uh, we started with this saying, um, and in fact, Norsemen were non-profit to begin with. And, and going into this as a partner, as Kelpman, we were told the same thing. Listen, guys, this is not going to make you any money. Mm. Um, and, and it doesn't really. So you have to be clever about how you do that. There are, of course, other ways to, to add on uh, revenue for other races there's sponsorship there's merchandising there's other things we do to make it viable mm. uh, but we all understand that it's not um it's not an everyday job for sure and new organizers have to understand that too so you'll find that most of them come from places where they have other businesses or other interests that, that uh, they mm. attend to what is the average field in an x-try well it's <laughs> there's there isn't really an average one because some of the races have different constraints on how they how many they can have but we have a maximum of 250 okay. uh, Norsemen have the 250 plus the elites but yes the maximum of 250 is is the are the largest races Keltman has a maximum of 200 based on local logistics and accommodation and some of them have 100 so I suppose you could say an average is, is 150 to 200 somewhere like that if, what, the, if the races are full and what's your average price point it's running about 400 euros at the moment wow so it's pretty cheap so we yeah, it's not. It's not too bad. It's not yeah. too bad. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, anything else you want to add? You know, in terms of questions you you get from from your audiences that you want to get out there, or, or anything else about the series that maybe we haven't asked you yet? Well, you know what? I I don't really know the answer to that. It's strange. <laughs> there must be a million questions. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think the slots are important. The slots are important in terms of you know, why these races are in a, in a tour of any sort. They could just be independent races aside from each other. There are many other X tries as well that are nothing to do with us. Um, but I think also just for people to recognize that um, they will get a similar experience, uh, overall experience from any of our partner races because we've worked on that. We've worked on the values with them. So, you know, rather than deciding who has the highest mountain or the most altitude or the coldest water, Pick a place you want to go to, go there, experience the local culture, and have a race while you're at it. Well, I suppose that was kind of my next question. You know, we're an Ironman specific show. We've got lots of people who are kind of the Uber Ironman branded people who love to do the Ironman races, and you know they do a great job as well. Uh, what would you say to the person who's doing that, who's who hasn't even thought of doing X Try? I think it's the intimacy of it because the Ironman races are great fun in the sense, even even the fact that there's so many people there, it makes for a good atmosphere in, in the race villages and all that kind of stuff. It obviously creates negative things with, you know, the, the drafting issue and all that kind of stuff that, that there's no need to get into. But um, for us, the because the fields are small and because the locations are special and, and the communities are are fairly tiny usually um the the experience that people come away from is much more intimate they get to know the other athletes much better and, and in fact we've seen we've even seen marriages come out of this you know because they get to know each other so well um and just on that um i imagine another thing to really think about for the for the ironman athlete is it takes you back to the sense of adventure because you know the courses are a bit more adventurous than maybe a traditional ironman in a big city or something like that or a small town um i imagine the race is just feel like a real adventure wouldn't they absolutely it's almost it is almost adventure tourism what we're doing as well as triathlon for sure mm. uh, and and the the courses of course are uh, and that's one thing we do say we don't although we are ironman-ish in terms of distance or or similar we don't put constraints on the the races to have an exact distance because the the courses are made from the local topography and the local the local nature you know you can't You'd have to make artificial parts of the course to make the correct distances. So often they vary a little bit here or there, 
and and that really doesn't matter because you can't compare two courses together anyway. So you could never you could never better your time in in Norway than in Switzerland, for example. It would be a pointless exercise. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Now we've looked at all these events over the over the years, and so it's good to find out a bit more about where where everything's heading. So, guys, if you want to check it out, go to xtryworldtour.com, and all the events are listed up there. So, go and get adventurous and have fun out there. So, thanks very much for your time, Stuart. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. You're off, guys. Good stuff, eh? It is not my cup of tea, but good stuff, and it's just. Do you, do, do you think you would never do a race like that? Uh, Never say never, but it's not particularly high on my uh, list of things I want to do. See, to me, I'm, I'm the opposite. If I'm going to go long course again, it'd be do something like this. Mm. You know, like, and that's why it's cool. We've got this variety. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like to me, to go do so, like a, you know, like a Keltman or a Norseman or the Kiwi Man. I think there is now. Is that what they're calling? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's more the sport would be more about adventure for me than trying to be fast right now, and so that would definitely took my spin my wheels. The cold swim does put me off quite a bit. I'm not that much of a softie, but going and swimming for three point eight k's and thirteen degrees and stuff doesn't. It's just not fun. Hoodies and gloves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit of a free for all. Yeah, you're not allowed to wear flippers or anything, but I think they're fairly relaxed when it's that uh, when it's that cool. Good times. Okay, so you can check. I'll put a link to their website on www.imtalk.me, and you can check it out right there. John, let's do a winger of the week. Okay, give me with a number, Bevan. How many points did we score? Well, we, we, we got seven, and we shouldn't even got seven. No, <laughs> John, it hurts. It hurts. So if you don't watch rugby or know about it, so we, the we, try we got, we got. Yeah, they they just cocked up, and we caught the ball and ran over the line. Fell over the line, wasn't really, wasn't it? Yeah, shouldn't have even got it. No. Uh, so we got seven points. So Christoph Leonak, he did twenty hours and thirty four minutes of training from twelve activities, balanced across the board, swam for five hours forty six, rode for nine hours fifty six, and rode for four hours and fifty minutes. And he's from Singapore, so he probably does plenty of that riding inside. Maybe gets out a bit at the weekends, but uh. Plenty of training inside if you're in Singapore. Bloody hot over there. Oh, mm. oh humid. And Christoph, I went for a run there one time, and uh, yeah, you just sweat like a dog. Christoph, you just need to up your game a little bit. You're averaging uh, 14 minutes less per week than me running so far this year. Uh, well, if he's going to get the average up, he needs to do more than 14 minutes, John. He does. Averaging seven hours and 18 minutes on the bike. My average time, oh, this is the last four weeks, sorry, the last four weeks. And yeah, you beat me on the other disciplines by quite some margin. Just pick up your running, you'll be fine. Oh, you, you pick on the thing that you're doing well. <laughs> uh, okay, John, questions <laughs> and answers. And Sean Thompson's just got, I uh, love your show. It's amazing uh, on my drives to work here in Dubai. Anyway, I heard on the last podcast about the all-world athletes being given extra, Ewa. Ewa. <laughs> uh, extra slot allocations uh, at a recent Ironman was it Florida? No, it wasn't Florida. No, it was uh, Wisconsin. I thought you might find it even more interesting that they gave away the Kona slots from the recent cancelled, recently cancelled Ironman career because of the typhoon. Uh, so instead of reallocating the slots to and gave it to another race that the competitors were likely to enter, any random one who, who entered got a lottery slot. Uh, how is this even remotely plausible? Isn't the safety issue that you, if you have to inexperience potentially even an athlete who hasn't competed in Ironman go to Kona potentially suffer heat stroke or worse? Not to mention it completely degrades the prestige of the Ironman World Championships if you have athletes who haven't earned their slot to start. What are your thoughts on this? 
Well, I just, it's a, uh, I thought we did discuss this briefly last week. I just, uh, now, now that they've made that point there about being able to complete nine man, I wonder if you do get one of those lottery slots where you do have to validate, validate it by doing an Iron Man, or I'm sure you have to validate it by doing a 70.3. Yeah, because wasn't it when they had the lottery, remember back in the day, mm. you had to do, was it you had to validate, man? I don't or was it a 70.3? I yeah. think it was 70.3, because I remember talking to somebody in Iron Man, I think it was 70.3 because it was their first Iron Man. But for a long time, there was no 70.3, and the lottery was around before that, uh, and then I think you did have to maybe do an Iron Man. If you let us know in the old legacy system, not legacy system, the old lottery, lottery system. system, whether you did have to go and do an Iron Man. Um, and I think just to reply to Sean's uh, yeah, you email, did, you did have to do something. I don't know if it was an Iron Man, but there definitely wasn't 70.3s around. But there was halves. Yeah, so you know, because remember sure. back in the day in Australia, yet to do Iron Man Australia, because they only had one in Australia, you had to do Qualified a half Iron half. Man mm. somewhere else in Australia. That was that was specific to Australia. That wasn't uh, applicable anywhere else in the no. world. I think you have to do another Ironman. Um, but to, to this case here, when they gave away the slots from the Kona for, for Kona at Ironman Korea because the race got cancelled, uh, I kind of think they probably did the right thing. You could have possibly put them elsewhere, but because the race is so, you know, there's hardly any races in Asia, You could have, I suppose you could have said, oh, we'll go and put them all in Malaysia, and if you want to go and get them, you can go and do Malaysia. And just for, I don't know. There's no, there's no easy solution there. I think I'm okay with what they did in this instance. But in the AWAR case, yeah, don't um, even get him started. Well, here we go. The yeah, AWAR yeah. case in bloody Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> My favourite email of the week, John. I got a lot of emails. I struggled with this week because everyone's just giving a shit about the rugby. But Jim Flynn has got here. Bevan, that was the best big bopper impersonation I've <laughs> ever heard from somebody in New Zealand. Hello, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. You made my week. Uh, we've got one here from Gemma. Oh, so Gemma Sampson uh, is a nutritionist, and we may get on the show. She just tell us about it, John. So she's a sports dish, uh, dietitian based in Girona, which is a hot spot for pro cyclists and triathletes as well. Jan's, Jan's based there, yeah, isn't he? Mike Phillips is often based there as well. There's lots of people who go there. Why? Um... Just good everything. Good climate. There's a number of people to train with. Um, never been there, so don't. I'm not 100 yeah. sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You get these hubs. Mm-hmm. Like Colorado makes sense because the altitude. Mm-hmm. But you do get these little, you know, for a moment, Christchurch was back in the day. Yeah. You know, you get these hubs where athletes kind of just all congregate. Uh, so she is a nutritionist working with amateur and elite cyclists. She's currently completing a PhD looking specifically at what endurance athletes do during races when it comes to competition nutrition. My re- research is trying to. Uh, delve into whether athletes lack the knowledge, practical skills, or whether it's something else, such as travel, weather, preparation that influence them under fueling. Um, so we'll have a link on our website. I'll probably I'll probably put it up on our Facebook page as well um, to go through. It, it, it's a reasonably lengthy um, uh, survey, just about you know um, what you're taking. Oh, it's yeah. About ten minutes. Yeah. So uh, just about what you. Consume during races and just sort of. It was kind of questioning your knowledge too. It kind yeah. of threw some questions. It was a bit like a not, not homework, but and it is important to, to note that when you're doing the survey, there's a line up top said, "If you don't know, don't guess." Click. So don't I don't know. know. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're guessing, it kind and of screws up. Understand what we understand. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and that's it for questions and answers. John, let's talk about our patrons. We have Scott. The Million Dollar Man McMillan. You yep. did the last one. 
Does oh, um, Kate has her name? What we act? I think we met Kate in upstairs in. Oh, Kona. she was lovely. I'm pretty sure that was Kate. Kate, yep. Katie, the pole vaulter. Yeah, the pole vaulter. And then David. What we act? David, David Winterbottom. I didn't have your nickname written down, so I think we'd just have to give you another one. And if you did get a good nickname that you liked the look of, uh, let us know. We'll when you think you Winterbottom, some. what do you think? I think it's British. I think it's sort of from the the Middle Ages. Yeah, I thought Game of Thronesy. Game of Thronesy, yeah. yeah. So, uh, sort of Friar Tuck or Robin Hoodie sort of thing. Yeah, Winter Bottom. Yeah. What do you think, John? What do you have? You got ideas? What did you? I'm going to find Game of Thrones characters. Yep. So you had used to have sheriffs and um, and things like that back then. Maybe the sheriff. The sheriff. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm pulling up the Game of Thrones character list. Game of Thrones, been and gone, done and dusted. The Hound. The Hound. So the Hound was a great character in the Game of Thrones. Too. Was he? Yeah. Let's do it. The Hound. Okay. Yep. The Hound. Right. Yes. You didn't get in Game of Thrones, did you? Nah. Nah. Not. You missed out into it the last series. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was slightly disappointing how they ended it but anyway that's okay that's okay they entertained us for years uh, okay then so if you want to become a patron go to www.iamtalk.me that way you can support what we do each week on the show uh, also you're going to draw to win a trip to come with the boys next year we're heading back next year it's pretty exciting times um, and you also get a bit of a gift for the level of patrons you do so go to www.iamtalk.me and it's all pretty clear on the website while you're there you can check out uh, our show notes and other things but if you want to also get the show emailed to you down the bottom of the front page you can just add your info in there and we just email the show out each time we release the show if you want some coaching go to coachjohnmewson.com if you want to check out my podcast bevanjamesisles.com and if you want to email us with content or anything just go to not rugby we don't want to hear about rugby <laughs> uh, Podcast at gmail.com John you goss as we look out your window here, Bevan, across the Canterbury Plains to the, to the mountains, uh, I had the opposite view at the weekend, when took the kids and did a hike up in one of the mountains over there, Mount Thomas. Good walk if you want to go on a nice walk with Joe. How long does it take you? Well, we did it in about four hours, I think. How long does it take to drive there? An hour. Mm. Oh, okay. Where, yeah. So where's that? It's that, that way. Okay, I'm pointing point. with my finger yeah. directly across yeah. there. It's out right. near Oxford. Okay. Yeah, so, Maybe uh, we'll do that. You would. It's a nice walk, good steep stuff, beautiful views at the top. Four hours there and back? Uh, if, we, if we didn't have kids, it would have been a bit quicker. We had a few stops. So, yeah, yeah it's good stuff. So that was, that was my Sunday. We had a public holiday this weekend. Outside of that, I'm running a half marathon this weekend. Uh, optimism levels are <laughs> rock bottom. <laughs> so you talked about game about three months ago. What happened? Yeah, I just haven't put it together. So many fronts, I haven't put it together. Why? Haven't, haven't what, done the training. Why happened? Came, came in with a lower base than what I... Needed to, you know, had two, a reasonable break after France. Haven't got the fitness. Carrying a bit of flab. Just, just, but, you, you but just why are you real off fitness? Thick. Why are you carrying flab? Just prioritise in other areas. Uh. So probably did just enough running, but didn't, you know, if I compare to the shape that I was in in April when I did have a very good run over a similar distance, I was still keeping up my biking. I was consistently swimming. I was doing a How lot of stuff. How are you going to pace it? I'm actually going to go out there and Take a risk. just race it, uh, race whatever's oh. in front of me and just go more by feel. So I'm not going to be staring at my watch all the way through, but I had anticipated hopefully running, just cracking into a 114. That ain't happening. There's no way in hell that's happening. Uh, if I can do a 117, I think it'll be a half decent run, but it could be a bit slower than that. Who knows? We'll see. We'll go out there and back give, it, you, give it a whirl. I'm back in your years of experience, you know, you've got a base... Yeah, it's bigger than the basement at the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's think. I, I may have the base, but I don't know if I've quite got. Do you know what they say, speed. John? 
It's all about the base. It is. No trouble. <laughs> so we'll do that, and that's uh, actually... I was looking at the weather forecast. You don't look at long-range weather forecast. Don't trust the long-range Don't Newsom. trust it. But it is supposed to be 29 degrees on Sunday, Ooh. and that's going from... That's Where's quite the hot course? For us. Oh, it's out in the country. It's just flat, straight line running. Boring racing. <laughs> just ride a, run a square, basically. How many people will do it? Not a huge amount, and, the, and the, the, it's pretty thin at the front of the field. Last year, they had, for some reason, they had a very weak field. Uh, I probably would have won it, even with my crappy form this year, if Ooh. it was last year. The other years, you've got probably about five fast dudes, like ranging from 108 to okay. 114, but so it's just a case of who rocks up. Just so a case of who rocks up. It's good to up. race, though. It's good to go out there and just try to execute the best you can with whatever you've got on the day, and if I can do that, come away knowing I've done everything I can. Bevan, what's up with you? To the movies on the weekend, John. Actually, I watched two movies on the weekend. I watched uh, Jojo Rabbit. Have you heard of that? Oh yeah, I'd like to go and see that. It's very good. Mm. Like, r- like you'd heard it was good, and sometimes it can ruin a movie for you. Uh, so it's the one where basically uh, Taka Tika Waititi. Tika Waititi. Um, he's a Kiwi guy who's basically become one of the world famous directors in the last period of time. Brilliant director. If you've seen like the Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, he did He's, one of the Thors. He also, yeah, bit of Marvel stuff. Yep, um, and he he plays Hitler. Mm. <laughs> so it's this is where the kid, his imaginary friend, is Hitler. Um, Don't ruin the story because I want to go and see. Well, it. The, oh, you knew that. Yeah. Um, check it out. It's a very good film. It's one mm. of those films when you're in the theater and you go, "Wow, man, it, Jesus!" Uh, so that was good. Um, that's about it, John. That's about it. Rugby World Cup doesn't. I don't like. Any, I would have stayed up and watched the game on Sunday night. So would I. We, we were going to do it early night Sunday night. Oh no, we were going to. Will you watch the Sunday. final? No, no, no. Either. If it was on in the afternoon or early evening, I'd probably so ten o'clock. No, not happening. And that's the thing. Will I you said, watch the third place game? No, probably not. Oh, what time's that? It's, oh, it's Friday night. And that was the thing. Like, there's always a, a silver lining, you know. So we said, you know, what's a what's a what's positive out of this? You Some, really somebody, wasted your some, money on Scott on Spark, didn't you? Somebody else gets a chance at winning the World Cup. It was going to get a bit boring if New Zealand won again and crushed everybody. It's like, uh, I was happy for that. To happen, I, I was happy for that to happen, would, but also if, for a vibrant sport, you want you know lots of competition at the top. We do get to have an early night again next Saturday, so we don't have that to be concerned yeah, about. Sure, yep. Yeah. Uh, we play on ten o'clock on Friday night, playing the Welsh. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> Go the old axe. Who do you think will be the coach? Who would you give it to? This is great podcasting for international listeners. You need to change. But after, you after, one, after one bad game, got to change. Yeah, but this, that's well, rugby's all about the World Cup. Mm. I don't like who. Uh, uh, no, it's not that I don't like. I think they need somebody different to compete uh, other than the assistant coach. Yeah. Okay. Any other goss? No, the goss, Bevan. Okay, let's that is it. Job. Let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick her. her.